Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. podcast. I'm your host Rebecca Davis and I'm joined by my co-host Ryan Matthews. How are you doing tonight Ryan? I am doing excellent. How about yourself Rebecca? Oh it's good. I'm I'm dreaming about some warm weather though. We got spoiled a couple weeks ago and now it's like it's been snowing for three days and I, I don't know what to do with myself. So paddling season's here but it doesn't feel like it in my neck of the woods. Yeah it's been dark and gloomy and cloudy and cold here too. Ugh. So we should introduce our guests, and I think we have at least one here who's living in some warmer climates. Uh, today we have with us Chris Isendorf. How are how are you doing, Chris, in Texas? I'm doing pretty good. We may be hogging some of that warm weather. <laughs> well, just send it send it north for us, because I think the rest of us would enjoy it. Uh, we also have with us tonight Ryan Zavarell from Central New York. How's it? going in new york ryan pretty good we got some warm weather too how are you doing i'm i'm doing good i'm really excited we've got a great slate of races to talk about and this is going to be a super fun show um we're also joined tonight by our, our final our most important guest i guess because i saved the best for last uh we have colin hunter <laughs> Well, that's that's a lot of pressure, Rebecca. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> we're doing good here. It's windy and cold today, but I got to have a little bit of Texas weather two weeks ago when I was down there, so that was awesome. And then warm weather when I got back. Now we're dealing with the snow again, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I think we're kind of used to that in Michigan. It's it's like get out the shorts one day and then put your winter coat back on the next. So. <laughs> Sometimes right. in the same day. <laughs> yep. So show we got for you today, uh, I think we've had some early season races so far, but we're really looking at the, uh, the kind of the kickoff of the main events this season. Uh, we've got the Legends race happen this weekend in, uh, I, well, I guess I call it like Wells Bridge, New York. I'm sure that's not technically correct, but, <laughs> and then Roscommon Canoe Classic up in Roscommon, Michigan, and the Mac Four race, which is more fondly known as the Nat, is still Chris. Is that yep. on the Waterloo? It's on the St. Marcus. Okay. So down there in, in nice warm Texas. So I'm super excited uh, seeing a lot of these teams come together and and you know, give us kind of the preview for what's to come. It looks like it's going to be a great season of racing all over the country. So I guess, uh, Ryan, where should we kick off? I think we should start with the Legends race. Uh, I'm really curious about that one. I don't know a whole lot about it, and I'd really like to learn about that one first. All right, we're, get, we're going. We've got two Ryans on tonight, so we're going to refer to Ryan Zavarell, I guess, is Zav. So <laughs> tell us about your race out there, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Shane and I raced it. Um, we had a good start. Uh, we are in the lead for, I don't know, I'd say probably 10 minutes or so. And uh, going upstream, 
Um, there's a section where you could cross over to the right or stay up the left bank. And uh, we decided to cross over. Normally, that's like the faster line. But um, I think with the water level being lower, uh, the left side was faster. So Mike and Guillaume stayed up the left and uh, they they passed us there. Um, but when we crossed over, we were like on their side wake and um, we rode their side probably for like, I don't know, five minutes or so. And you guys know how it is riding sides upstream. <laughs> it's not all that great. <laughs> so uh, we just decided to uh, get on their stern and yeah, we just, you know, rode, rode their stern, you know, as long as we could. And we ended up second to them. Uh, Mike and Guillaume won. We got second. Um, but overall, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good turnout of a race. Hey, Zap. Yeah. Could ahead. I ask who, uh, I know you guys can both be sternmen. Who was in the stern? Who was in the bow? I was in the bow and Shane was in the stern. Nice. And that's home course for you, right, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, I paddle that a lot. That's, um, you know, so I'm really familiar with with the course. You know, there's not really too much going on there. Um, you know, the, the current, you know, not much current, you know, like dead water almost, um, you know, kind of open. Not really too much technical stuff there, but... Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good race. Yeah, it looked, uh, pretty competitive in a lot of different ways. The top two guys, um, like you said, first Mike Davis and Guillaume Blay, and second Shane McDowell and Ryan Zabrell were just, I think, less than 30 seconds apart. And then, um, there was a really big pack behind you guys, um, in third place, Ed Curley and Patrick Madden. Fourth was Mike Schlimmer and Louis Simon Pruneau. And then we start the mixed battle. Um, the next four teams were all mixed. So in fifth was Luke Mercier and Sarah Lassard. Sixth, Christophe Marchand and Ev Chamberlain. Seventh was Andy Hall and Katie Peck. Eighth was Eric, or I guess she's Lee. She actually is Lee now. Sorry. <laughs> um, she got married last fall. <laughs> um, in eighth place was Eric Werner and Megan Roberts. And then some, uh, I think, some Susquehanna Valley locals. In ninth place, Al Shaver and Steve Rankinen. And then to round out our top ten, we had Steve Bakarik and Joe Allison. Oops, that was a typo in the results. Excuse me. In tenth place, we had Dale Persons and Brooks Reed. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a good mix of paddlers. It looks like you had a lot of Quebec paddlers down to visit. Yeah, we were surprised that they showed up. <laughs> Normally, the the Legends race, you know, isn't. I mean, there's you know quite a bit of paddlers, but not that many um, Canadians that come down. So it was a uh, yeah, it was a good turnout. It's probably scouting the scouting some on the Susquehanna before the Clinton because that course is so technical. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, we. Uh, um, you know, a lot of them stayed the next day too. And we did a, you know, a long paddle run, um, you know, downstream. So they got to check out more of the river as well. I've been hearing most of this year that we should expect quite a few Canadians at a lot of the races. So that's pretty exciting. 
Yeah. It's good, to, it's good to see that they're traveling well. Yep. Um, they didn't make it all the way to Texas. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Not yes. yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> they no. might be on their way. <laughs> so how how does the Legends race start? Because I'm seeing there's a lot of different um, classes, you know, C2 Pro, C4, C1. Is it all one big mass start, or is each each group, uh, uh, they, Yeah, they, they split them up, and it starts downstream um, on the straightaway there in Wells Bridge. Okay. Um, and you probably only go, I don't know, maybe two or 300 yards. Then you turn a buoy and go upstream. Um, so that's how the start works there. I know there's they do there's a uh, the Wells Bridge race in August. They they start it going upstream because usually like by August there's like no current at all, you know. So yeah, you're able to line up across the river going upstream really with no current. So but usually like this time of year there's some current, so it's it's kind of better to start everyone going downstream and then turn a buoy and go up. And how is the water level looking for this time of year, Ryan? Is it pretty typical? Uh, it's it's actually, I think it's lower than uh, usual. Like, I remember last year, the water level was, like, really high. Um, you know, I remember doing, like, training runs, you know, through the rapids and stuff. And, you know, the water level was, like, almost over the bank you know, really fast. Um, and this year it's, it's a lot lower. So. So we might, might have a low Clinton. Yeah, maybe. I mean, last year was pretty low. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if we want any lower than that. (laughs) My sides still hurt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's one heck of a grind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so there, oh, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, other than the, the low water um, or the, the dead water, so to speak, is there any kind of unique course features or is it mostly just a wide open yeah. uh, river most of the way? Yeah, like, so the race course, I mean, there's not really too much to see. Like, it's, you know, mostly easy water, um, you know, open. There's not really you know, any trees in the way that you got to go around or like some sharp turns or anything like that. So, um, that the race course there, uh, for legends, you know, it's, it's pretty easy, you know, it's just open and, uh, yeah, not, not much current either. So a a good, put your head down and grind it up kind of race. Yeah. That's pretty much how it was just like a time trial. (laughs) One thing I noticed looking through the results is there were a lot of mixed teams there, and it looks like uh, quite a a battle. The first two were less than 20 seconds apart, uh, Luke Mercier and Sarah Lassard versus Christophe Marchand and Doug Chamberlain. So I know you probably didn't get a chance to watch too much of that, Ryan, but it looked to be pretty exciting from the videos I saw. They were kind of right together a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, they're two uh, two good mixed teams. I know when we finished and we're you know going upstream, we saw we saw them come in and you know they were pretty close. Yeah, and I another uh, uh, I guess team to know is Eric Werner raced with Megan Roberts, and that was her first uh, C two race in the Stern. 
So she's originally came over from more of a Dragon Boat Outrigger background, and now uh, is she's raced the Clinton, I think, two or three times in the bow women's, um, but she's trying to break in and get some stern time in and get a little more experience. So um, that's always a cool thing to see is those. I'm always a fan of women getting out there and paddling, so <laughs> I like seeing all the mixed and women on the results sheet. <laughs> Yeah, it's very encouraging to see the sport grow, especially with the female paddlers. And it, it's, I don't know, it's always cool too seeing uh, paddlers make that transition from bow to stern because there's definitely a shortage of sterns in the sport sometimes. Yeah, we threw Mike in in the C4 today, and I think he thought it was fun on the way downstream, and then we had to come back up. And... <laughs> I heard he, I heard Mike's racing stern this year in one of the races. <laughs> <laughs> he, is. he is. He's going to go uh, stern after the Clinton for a race with the, one of the guys in Michigan, uh, Buzzy Hartman. And uh, they're going to have a good time. But Mike. Tell you what, what, Buzzy can't quit talking about it, Rebecca. Every time I, see him, and I see him a couple times a week. I got Mike Davis. Did you hear about that yet? Mike, Mike, Mike's all excited, too. Yeah. He, he couldn't stop talking about it either when he was here. <laughs> yeah he he thinks of himself as a stern which I hey i can vouch for that i paddled <laughs> with mike once and it was awesome <laughs> i've been Can trying to get him to race you? with me for three years now and he won't do it <laughs> oh that's he's he he's gonna get there I, i'm sure he would he's probably too nervous to go with you chris so Maybe. he doesn't want to let you down. <laughs> I, I've been trying to tell him it'll be magical. <laughs> the, uh, so. look, looking at the rest of the, the Legends race uh, uh, results here, just going over the winners of each class uh, for the C2 Amateur. We had Jeff Peterson and John Young for the C4 Open was... Uh, Jeff Schultes, uh, Bob Wiss, am I saying that right? Bob Wissy. Yep. Okay, Bob Zavril and Alan Nichols. Uh, C1 Pro was won by Greg Lowry. C1 Amateur by Charlie Bruno. And C2 Stock by uh, Seth MacArthur and Austin Henry. Or Henny. Sorry, Henny. And that C4 team, I have a pulse on the C4 since... That's a that's a I think a famous um, rivalry there between the the Susquehanna River C4 the uh, the Hog Wild Racing C4 and then always the um, I guess you, I call it the New England C4 with Gary Apria and Gloria Wesley so I know they're all like scoping out the results anytime there's a C4 race how how fast were they compared to the C2s. <laughs> Those guys should have came out for the Legends race. <laughs> yeah, well, they've had a little team turnover. My mom's got carpal tunnel, so she's out for the Clinton. And, yeah, uh, I heard that. Yeah, oh, so man. they've got Bill Toronto stepping in to, to fill the spot. So that's why Mike and I went C4 with Bill and my dad tonight to kind of get Bill tuned up on his sliding. So. Yeah, is that his first time in the C4? No, he raced one time with them, but he got to go in seat two, and then my mom was in three, so they 
like she was following him and I think this year they're gonna race with Russ Reeker in two and Bill in three so uh-huh. Bill had to follow me today for practice so <laughs> <laughs> we stayed dry so that's that's the main thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. yes do you have any anything else that we should know about legends Brian or uh I don't I think you guys covered it all. Right, well, then I all guess right. we'll move on to our next race. Our uh, Ross Common race on the south branch of the Osable. Uh, it was just this past weekend. Uh what was it? May twenty third, I or think was the April. date. Or April. Eight, yeah, sorry. I'm already trying to get into the warmer weather. Uh <laughs> April twenty twenty second, twenty third. Uh for that race, uh, I was there to watch and did a little videoing at the buoy turn. Um, it was a close race for most of it, uh, from what I was seeing. And uh, Weston Willoughby, Pete Mead, ended up taking first uh, with uh, Carson Burmeister and Danny Medina not too far behind in second. Uh, we had Rich Louth and Ryan Halstead in third. And then uh, Tim Sheldon and our guest Colin Hunter uh, took fourth. Uh, Travis Mecklenburg, Austin Weiler in fifth, Tom Trudgeon and young Dane Trudgeon in sixth, Matt Gabriel, Jason Hatfield seventh, uh, Spencer Dorenzi and Rod Halstead in eighth, Ben Tarbutton and Dave Smith in ninth, and Caleb Watson and Joey Kimsel took tenth. And our first mixed team was Tim Trebold and Mary Schlimmer, 15th overall. And our first women's team was Sarah Webb and Diana Gerswitz in 26th overall. Nice. Yeah, they had a good uh, good turnout at that race. We also have um, what's called Expert 2, so it's a little bit it's similar to like what the amateur class would be uh, in New York. Uh, but they do. They, they have a separate starting line for people just kind of starting out. Um, this particular race series a little bit shorter course. But we had um, some competitors in that, and the winner was Anthony Fisher and Jaden Russell, which I believe I remember right. They're a under-20 team. Yeah, um, they're a youth team. Yeah. Moved, I, from what I was able to see, they looked like they were moving pretty good, and, and uh, I believe they're racing the marathon this year as well. Sweet. Good, yeah, to see, I, I, good to see them young paddlers doing it. Yeah, yeah it I, I agree, Ryan. It was they looked really good. They were they looked like they were navigating up the river well. Um, Colin, you can tell us a little bit about the course on the South Branch and how the race is kind of set up. Yeah, it's um, it's a fantastic course. I think they said at the announcement this year when they were starting off that it's their forty first year. So it's just incredible that an MCRA race can have that many years of competitiveness. And this year was really good. I think there was only, I say only, there was about 35 C2s. um, But sometimes we've had more than that. But it was still a lot of fast teams. Of course, we had a lot of other, we had the Legends race over in New York. And we have some other races going on that even in Texas, Chris's race down there, Drew, Kyle, uh, Stonehouse went down there. So we lost a couple of top guys, but uh, super competitive we do the draw. So they, they always have um, one person run and I don't know what it is. 300 yards. It's not a long ways, 400 yards. Um, it's not a long ways, but it's long enough when you're running and I don't do a ton <laughs> of running. 
I was unlucky enough to get picked to draw. And every year that I've raced Brass Common, I draw very poorly. And this year was no exception. I drew number 12 and they have heats. So the first heat was, of course, 12 boats. So you line up your boats on the side of the river. I drew number 12. So we're already starting back behind. And I'm I'm an okay runner, but I'm not super fast. So I came in middle of the pack in the run. We got in last. Um, but we were able to get around a bunch of boats that kind of were bungled together because they're so they're so close together. We had it backed up our boat about five, six boat lengths behind the last boat because we're last place anyways. And it actually ended up working okay. We got in and we only really had to pass Dane Trudgeon and uh, Tom Trudgeon and then Sean Brabant and um, who he raced with. I'm blanking on his uh, name. Rob, Rob Shadley. Rob Shadley, yes. Rob was actually, I think, the first one to the water on the run. So they had a fantastic start. But we had a great race. Tim and I have gotten a lot of hours in this year. It's actually interesting. He's racing with Tad Hill in the marathon. I'm racing with Rich Loth in the marathon. And so when both of our partners are downstate, obviously most of the week, you know, Tim and I get to train a lot and then Tad and Rich get a lot of hours too. So it's pretty cool how that's going to end up working. And so we've got a lot of hours. We're pretty smooth, but it's super high water right now on the South branch, which can be good. It can be bad. It was kind of just okay for me, I guess, this year, lots of junk in the water. The team, uh, the, the race directors do a great job of cleaning it out, but no matter how much they clean, we get 35 boats on the course just warming up and there was huge logs floating all over the river as it is every year. So super technical. And I realize I'm saying that when we have Chris Isendorf here and I've been now down to Texas, I'm in San Marcos and it's not technical compared to that, but it's one of the MCRA's more technical courses. You really have to follow the eddies, get tight corners. Um, it can be brutal. Um, but it was, it was a good race overall. The thing I would say is I was surprised uh, how spread out we got. I know, Ryan, you said watching it looked like it was pretty close. Pete and Weston, to me, once they got into the lead, they just took off. Danny and Carson did the same. They took off in first to begin, and nobody could get back on them. Rich and Ryan Halstead got away from Tim and I. Tim and I got away from the next pack, and by the end, the closest uh, ones to watch and what was really fun to watch is coming in behind us was fifth, sixth, seventh. Austin and Travis end up getting the fifth spot, but Dane Trudgeon and Tom were right there. I mean, it looked like at the finish, they might actually pull ahead. And then right behind them was Matt Gabriel and Jason Hatfield. So it was, it was close right there. But other than that, I was surprised how spread out it got. Yeah. That, that fourth through eighth was, or uh, I should say fifth through eighth, sorry, was, was really right together almost the whole race. When yeah. And, you know, almost everybody hit that buoy at the same time. And it was really interesting seeing strategies change on the fly for how to do that buoy turn because it looked like someone kind of blew the turn a little bit. Yeah, Travis and Austin really made a good move on that buoy. I mean, if you watch those videos, they were super tight to the buoy. It, It was one of the best ones that I saw watching them. Yeah. And then, you know, that that second heat that went off. You know, Noah, Noah Vanderveen, who was racing with Bruce Barton, had such a good run to the river. They got, you know, a big jump on everybody, but then I, I heard they got caught up on a log or something. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they got, a, well, as Colin was saying, there's just, you know, there's debris in the river. It's, you know, a small river with 
even though there's always a spot to go and they do a great job cleaning it out, there's there's always going to be trees on the side. And I think the the whole second heat, at least off the start, was pretty close as as they all are. And um, Noah got on the wrong side of a log, so they or my dad and Noah got on the wrong side of a log. So their option was either to stay there and wait till everyone kind of went by and then back out or try to back out in front of everyone and be across the river completely sideways. sideways. <laughs> oh, man. So they chose to wait because they figured they at least wouldn't be backwards <laughs> or swimming. So, and that's um, a tough thing. And in, in that river, you get those spots where one boat makes a mistake or is a little bit wide and it affects five boats behind them. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, and then there, you know, there's there's so many like you have to make so many quick decisions, especially off the off the start that you're, you know, it's easy for anyone to just make a mistake in the wakes and and have to have to readjust. So they had a good time grinding more teams down um, after that, and I think my dad had a bunch of fun returning to the stern. He started out in the stern like I don't know. 55 years ago <laughs> so wow, i think I he, didn't even know that yeah he yeah. Uh, his first canoe race in 1969 he was paddling stern so and he did for I, a number of years <laughs> i should send you the photo colin of him and mark reimer from way back in the day i i would love to see that that's so cool <laughs> yeah they were mark and my dad were neighbors um growing up so they started racing together in in 1969 and mark's I, two years older than my dad so he was just bigger then so they raced with mark in the bow and dad in the stern yeah, for a couple years sense. yeah yeah that that Roscana course there's a lot of stuff in the water there's also a lot of stuff on shore that can poke here in the ribs and stuff i saw quite a few people i think even uh rich louth was one of them who had scrapes and stuff on their their oh, rib yeah. cage he got beat up and bloodied bruised by the next day yeah, it's, there's just so much stuff, and it doesn't matter how you run it. You have sometimes you just have to go through it. And I'm lucky; I'm a stern guy. I just make my bow guy go through it, and I'm usually okay. But <laughs> I didn't even get away unscathed. I got caught one on the face and got a little skin moved off. But it's the way it goes sometimes. Yep. That for that second heat too, I'd say over half that pat or half that heat was at the buoy at the same time. That was that was pretty fun to watch. I mean, it was just like seven boats trying to go around it at once it was pretty wild wow. and then uh that third that third heat which had the mixed and women's teams and the the e2s you know uh mary and tim were off and on their own for most of that and then the rest of that pack was behind them were pretty close together yeah that's always a challenge in a heated start uh what to do with the mixed and women's teams because you want to keep them together so the competition's you know I guess fair they're all racing the same you know with the same conditions but sometimes the teams don't match up quite that way so I think going in we knew Tim and Mary would probably be like second heat speed um, but you, you really saw that in the as the race unfolded um, another team that really outperformed their seating was um, Rod Halstead and Spencer Dorenda. They started second heat and pretty much just like ran away with it. Like you might not even have been able to tell because <laughs> yeah, they that, were catching teams in the first heat. That's so great to see. I mean, Rod, I was talking to Ryan after, and I think 
I think he said Rod's last marathon was 2010, maybe. I mean, I might be wrong on it, but it's been a little bit. So to see him back in and being super competitive, it's just it's just great. 75th marathon this year is going to be so so full of good battlers. Yeah, Spencer too. He hasn't he hasn't raced in a hot minute as well. Yeah. And uh, another team I, I was hearing people talk about after the race uh, was Caleb Watson and Joey Kimsel, uh, a couple of guys from Oscoda. And you know, Caleb was featured in our Paddlers to Watch episode, and um, I don't know. If, from what I could tell, they were they were turning some heads, finishing in tenth place, only one second yeah. out of ninth. Totally agree. I noticed I've raced against Joey a lot in the last twelve or fifteen years, and I think he gets kind of underrated. Um, doesn't you know? Some years he has like a pretty good partner, and some years he races um, with a newer paddler, and you don't always see. Uh, how well he can do but yeah I, I think that was a good a really good finish for both those guys and they looked good coming in really strong absolutely and then uh moving on to sunday we had the c1 race uh, i wasn't able to attend that one because i was under the weather but uh from the pictures and stuff i saw it sounded like or it looked like it was a pretty good race um danny medina won that one just over an hour uh uh, hour 407 was the winning time. Uh, he edged out the guy who beat him the day before, uh, Weston Willoughby. Uh, Pete Mead was third. John Kasich was fourth. I believe John's a Roscommon local. Um, Carson Burmeister took fifth. Austin Weiler sixth. Uh, Tim Sheldon seventh. Bill Taranjo eighth. Matt Gabriel ninth. And John Webb in tenth. And for our women's race, Mary Schlimmer won. She was 16th overall. And we also had, um, I'll just shout out, Sergeant, and he was 24th. So really nice turnout for that, too. Usually we have about the same number of C1s as C2, and this was the same. We had 35 C1s. I know for me looking at it, I was super excited to see Danny win. Uh, Danny's originally from Roscommon, and uh, he's never won our Roscommon canoe race, so winning that C1 was pretty meaningful for him. That's awesome. I even paddled with Danny last year, and I didn't know that he's never won it. That's actually a surprise to me, especially considering C1 and C2 options. I thought he would have snuck in there. Nope, that was that was the first time, and I think uh, watching the race uh, so now uh, this race starts in a, a time trial format, but we're five seconds apart, so the starts are really close together, and it's pretty hard, um, at least on the downstream, to pass. Like teams get and or boats get, you know, kind of lined up. They'll be like seven or eight in a row because we're all moving pretty fast. And uh, Danny started behind Weston caught him and then you can just see he's like i'm gonna sit here <laughs> not make any mistakes <laughs> yes yeah. follow weston and that's that's what i need to do and those two uh watching it like definitely got out of the head of everyone else and it was pretty you, they would have been pretty confident when they crossed the boats going downstream when they they had started up because they started in the earlier part of the race um that that they were going to be fighting for one and two what a cool story that's awesome good for him yeah, I wasn't aware of that either. That's awesome. And we had um, quite a few women in this race, too. Like, usually the 
C1 Racer Ask Common can be kind of intimidating, especially for women that are starting out. Um, just it's technical, you know, people get nervous, they have a big upstream, and it's actually one of our long So, um, I thought it was really cool. Heather Minkle, uh, she's not technically a rookie, she's been racing the MCRA schedule for a couple of years, a race here and there. Um, but I think she's really committed this year. I'm pretty sure she's gonna do the marathon, and uh, she came out and raced this weekend as well as I think we had one. I think we had five women total. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. I've done this race before where there's been like one. <laughs> so I don't know if there were any. I didn't hear of anyone. That's, that's usually a big uh, concern in the Ross Commons C1. Um, I don't think, I don't, I didn't hear any stories of people going over this year. Um, a lot of jam ups on the buoy turn because all those boats were close. So it seemed like there were about 10 boats uh, together multiple times. So if you have a chance, check that out. Um, I'll make sure that we get some of those videos posted of, of the turns because those were interesting to watch how people approach that. Yeah, uh, definitely look at, if you haven't yet, look at the start videos too in each of the heats because I know at least in the first heat, I think we lost three paddlers. Somebody either went in, had to jump back in quick, or both paddlers were out of the boat. It was it was pretty dicey, and it usually is because everybody's going way too fast, coming to the boat, trying to get in, you know, as quick as they can, and invariably somebody's going to make a mistake. And with with Ross Common being moved up a few weeks this year, um, that water must have been really chilly. Yeah, I'm sure it was, and it was only. I don't know what it was, 40 degrees. It wasn't cold enough. I had shorts on, but I was regretting it during the race. I mean, it was that cold. It was it was not nice. And I think we had some snow on Sunday for the C1. So it was, it, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> Ross Common weekends tend to have snow no matter what, what date they choose. <laughs> but... <laughs> Absolutely. The last two years I won, it was sunny and like 50 or 60. <laughs> well, I guess you need to start coming more often. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Too bad they moved it ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be back to regular schedule next year. Uh, at least that's from the okay. sound of it. <laughs> I'll find so up some Texas weather. Yeah, come <laughs> on up. <laughs> No, I'll send the weather. I'm not coming. Uh, <laughs> I've been there once, and uh, uh, Colin, you were comparing the technicality to our river, and yeah. I will say that is a really technical course. Um, really yeah. twisty, windy, pushy. If you don't, you know, for me as a bowman, if I didn't catch the bow in the right spot, we're like going across the river where we don't want to go, you know, and a lot of branches to eat. And a lot of bumper boats, from what I remember. For sure. <laughs> For sure. And most of the time, I don't think it's even, you know, sometimes in our sport, you know how it gets. Sometimes people are a little bit intentional or they don't pull off as much. But yeah. a lot of times in Roscommon, especially going upstream, it's just really, really hard to control the boat. So there's contact that's not intentional, but still has a big effect on both boats. Oh, it does for sure. And it, you know, it can position your boat 
the wrong way coming into a turn and yeah it makes things dicey yeah, or yeah. even if someone's just on your stern and it, the wave kind of sucks your stern out and screws up your own line even stuff like that on that tight turn or that tight tight course yeah yeah for sure <clears throat> speaking of speaking of oh, texas God. weather i was thinking we could uh cover that night race Sounds like a good plan to me, Ryan. So I guess we'll start with some results. Uh, a little bit different down there that I'm not going to go through just C2s. We're just going to go in order of finish, and I will try to make sure I call out what they are. <laughs> so in first place, we had a six-man with Nathan Tart, David Ernest, Jason Cade, James Lowe, Sean Boyette, and Ryan Martinez. In second place was another six. Brian Jones, Gaston Jones, William Russell, Ian Rolls, Kyle Isendorf, and Jeff Glock. In third place is another six, Alex Leonard, Yusuf Johnson, Cole Brazil, Jet Brazil, Sam Hanna, and Will Leeds. In fourth place, our first C2 was Kyle Minar and Kyle Stonehouse. Fifth place, Logan Minor and Clay Wyatt, the second C2. In sixth place, there was a three-man of Jonathan Kittle, Jonathan Yonley, and Stephen Rask. In seventh place was the first Women's Unlimited uh, four-man, which was Cecily Boogie, Morgan Kohut, Lydia Hulskamp, and Caitlin Minor. In eighth place, the first solo, Andrew Condy. Ninth place was the first unlimited C2 of Jonathan Zeke and Holly Orr. And 10th place was the first mixed C2 of Chris Isendorf and Shannon Isendorf. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like the night race has a lot of a lot of boats in it, Chris. There's like 60, 60 finishers and lots of different crafts out there there's a lot of different crafts um you have to pick where you start our races carefully because um, it's not all just c2 so you've got you know when shannon and i were lining up a six man lined up right next to us with double blades and we kind of looked at him like are you guys serious <laughs> and just started backing up like no <laughs> <laughs> We'll start behind you, all right? Um, there was a lot of teams this year. I I had heard 60 or 70 teams. We didn't see them all as there was a staggered start. Um, there was kind of like an adventure class start that I believe was an hour and a half before we went off. They started at 6 p.m. Um, so a little less dark for them, kind of depending on how long it would take them to get there. Um and then kind of the more serious competitors started at 7.30. Um, and then those of us who just want to race in the dark, right? And kind of looking for the adventure of it. Um, and it was an adventure this year. The water was up. Uh, we got some pretty good rain two days before the race. And so the water was kind of brown and about, I'd say, a foot higher than it has been lately. Or definitely when we practiced it. And... Uh, we had a surprise log jam about 
two hours in that just kind of threw everybody for a loop. Um, Shannon and I were on our own for most of the race. You know that I'd say the first 30 minutes we were with another team kind of working with them back and forth, but then they got hung up on a log and we didn't see them again and, and paddled and we're just grinding away. And, uh, we came around a corner and how many whites do you think? 20, there was at least 20 headlights in the middle of the river. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you kind of turn a corner and it's like, oh, there's a log jam. And Shannon kind of hollers, well, which way do we go? And so we kind of swiveled the bow to the right because we use a beam light, not a floodlight. And well, the right doesn't look good and swiveled the bow to the left. And I could kind of see a path up the bank on the left or at least not a straight up bank and we're going left (laughs) and so we ram it up into the log jam and i mean you know there's there was nine teams in front of us and i bet more than half of them were in that log jam when we got there and we had not seen any teams for an hour and a half so they had a pretty good lead on us oh yeah and here they all are screaming at each other and you know, pull, pull. And I'm pretty sure I saw somebody fall through the log jam. Oh man. And, uh, when I saw that, I looked at Shannon and said, we're going up, (laughs) not going across. And, uh, we had to, you know, get out on the left bank, which was all muck and mud and, and kind of deadfall that had washed down and scramble the boat up there and, and get through the reeds and thorns and, once you get up on top of the bank, it's, it's all field up there, like pasture land. Um, we were able to go across flat ground until we were past the jam and then slide back down into the river on our asses, you know, with kind of the boat keeping us steady. Um, so it was really, really fun. It was a wild log jam. Yeah. It, it sounds like quite the adventure. I, I talked to Cecily a little bit before we were recording tonight and her four woman boat decided to go through the middle. So they seem like happy with their decision. Um, but it sounds like they were doing a lot of swimming in the long jam, which <laughs> I'm, I don't I'm, know if I'd be a big fan of. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was one of them who I saw go through because we could hear Lydia hollering, pull, pull, pull. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. Kyle Stonehouse was just telling me about it tonight at the Tuesday night race league. And he said he was treading water, just waiting for one of the four or six man boats to get out. And he's just treading water thinking, what, what am I doing right now? Sitting in front of this log jam. Chris, how long is that? He had to slide down the bank, got a bunch of, you know, prickers in his butt, sit on the rest (laughs) of the way. How long is that race? I was for Shannon and I, it was three and a half hours. Um, for the, the winning team was just, they actually set a record, um, and they were underdogs in, in my opinion anyways, and they came through with the win and congratulations to them. Um, so when do you guys start at like 9 PM or, uh, 7.30. Oh, 7.30. Okay. Start at 7.30. So a little different down here. It gets dark earlier than it does. Well, I guess I don't know about New York, but definitely in Michigan. Um, yeah. It's, it gets, it's pretty dark about an hour after we start. So eight thirty, it's, it's pretty much pitch, you know? 
that that winning time was two hours, 55 minutes and 45 seconds. So I think is the course 26 miles? Uh, just under 26. Okay. I think my Strava said 25.7 maybe. Well, that's moving. I mean, I know they're in a six, but that's moving. Oh, the river was cooking. It was our our rivers down here have been really low, like really, really low for the past year and a half. And uh, this is the first time I've paddled on a swelled up river in a while. So it was a lot of fun. And it was great for Shannon and I because it, you know, we're married. And so we don't always want to get out of the boat quicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say on this occasion, I would have just kept on going all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. We were, we were killing it, man. We had a great race. <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's another portage just a mile and a half, maybe two miles from the finish line. And it's, it's a dam portage. The dam's maybe 30 feet tall. Um, and it's kind of a gnarly portage in that the, the put in you're you're kind of putting in on top of jagged rocks and there's a lot of current at the bottom where you're putting in. Um, and so as a matter of fact, when we were coming to the portage, we had planned to take the safer route, which goes left around the dam and it's kind of lit up. There's some, there's some spotlights over there that light up the, the dam and the, and the dam works that are there. And, uh, but we had a team breathing down our neck and we had been working super hard to keep them behind us. And when we got to that portage on the left, there was two or three canoes blocking the path out. Um, some of those adventure class folks that started before us, they had it all blocked up. So we called an audible at the last second and took the right side portage, um, which, I know y'all did a special on the night race last year uh, and Bill talked about the right side portage and the stirrup. Um, the stirrup is still there, but it was underwater this time. <laughs> and I was looking at it and Shannon's like, use the stirrup. And I'm looking like, what stirrup? <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's no stirrup. <laughs> but uh, we, we had a good portage there. We got through real clean. Uh, no arguing, which was great. Uh, the put-in was kind of tough in that a, a fallen tree had washed right into the spot where we always put in. And that's okay. the spot we've practiced for years. and It's the way we always go. And so you don't just, that's not the kind of place where you call an audible and just go around um, because you don't know what's on the other side. And so we kind of had to we had the high center of the boat on top of a limb and it's like really pushy current. And I had to do the catwalk across the tree to get into the bow and Shannon got into the stern and we're just kind of high centered on this tree and just shimmying as hard as we can. <laughs> and the boat wouldn't go, <laughs> but eventually it let loose. And I, I, I bet we passed five or six boats on that portage by using the right side. Those portages don't sound very fun. Well, it's <laughs> it's all in how you look at it, Zev. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they're a little different than y'all's portages for sure. <laughs> it's an adventure race, you know. <laughs> it it is an adventure. Um I, I like to tell people if you come down here to race, consider it an adventure. Of course, most people come down, they want to be competitive. We get some really good, fast people who come down and they want to compete, but you know, I especially tell people who want to do the safari, treat it like an adventure before you treat it like a race, because it is an adventure. Let's not call the safari for nothing. That's right. <laughs> but it's the really night race, I, I, I would like to uh, talk about the finish line of the night race, which is probably the best part other than the log jam. Um, uh, Joe Miner, Renee Miner, I believe there's a couple other miners in there. And then uh, Kathy and Daryl Durall, um, they are the race organizers. I'm sure there's other volunteers there that I don't know about, but they're the organizers. And they also um, do a big fish fry at the finish line. And so you work your ass off in the river and you get out all covered in mud and tired and it's dark outside. But then you get to walk up a bank to, you know, 30 pounds of fried catfish and okra and hush puppies and donuts and cookies and brownies and Oh, I'm coming yeah. next year. <laughs> oh, it's <best. laughs> yeah. You know, and then everybody tells their story, right? Because it, it is an adventure. And so there's a lot of stuff that went wrong out there. And it's real fun to kind of recap with people and hear about their race. And, you know, what all happened. And, you know, everybody's really excited about it. So. The stories are some of the best parts about the sport. Yeah, I think so. We had uh, Caitlin and Logan on a couple of weeks ago for an episode, and they were talking about that fish fry and, and the surprise log jams. And it's really interesting, you know, the, the differences between, you know, Texas and, and New York and Michigan and elsewhere and, and the different adventures you get in each spot. But that that fish fry, that must be just heaven when you get out of the boat. Oh, it is. It's the best. I, my son told me he ate about three pounds of fish when he finished up. <laughs> so. Good thing he finished so early. You know, he finished second, so <laughs> a lot of fish was left for him. <laughs> Leaving his old man in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> he probably liked that part too. <laughs> oh, I think so. Yeah. He's got some bragging rights for a while little while yeah he's uh he's trying to find his way into a race right now he's he's telling me he wants to do the marathon but doesn't have a partner yet so we'll see what happens there i told him he needs to start fishing around yeah yeah well that's so hear that anybody if you thinking you want to race with kyle just right into the the pod, podcast and we'll uh we'll hook you up although he's he's got some pretty impressive results you better have a good resume to back it up <laughs> you want to have a strong draw he is very <laughs> strong and he only knows how to pull forward <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll learn just keep racing and he'll figure it out the rest of it 
Oh, for sure. He's he's done a lot of racing already this spring. Um, and so he's, you know, we hadn't done a lot of racing together, so he's been solo a lot. He's been doing a lot of double blading work on kayak stuff. Um, but uh, he's learned a lot about the river this year. Sorry to get off subject. But. Oh, no. Oh, absolutely. That's that's one that I'm proud of. <laughs> Understandably. So were were there any um any other teams or paddlers that that stood out to you um in the night's race? Um you know, that team that finished first um and the second place team um aversion so the team that won that race like i said i considered them the underdogs um just because they were going up against a lot of experienced guys um and they really surprised the hell out of me they had just blistering speed they had to overcome some a couple little mistakes i think they flipped out of the boat one time um they were second to that log jam. And so they had to sit and wait for the other boat to go through before they could go through. And they still managed to get to the other side and just turn it on and walk away. And that to me was super impressive. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say looking at the results, I was kind of surprised. Uh, and, and especially how far apart they were. <laughs> And then also, I would say uh, Kyle Miner and Kyle Stonehouse, um, they had a real good race, too. Did um, they do two-man? They were C2. They were in a C2, and they were kind of duking it out with Logan Miner and Clay Wyatt. And I've trained a lot with those guys this year, and they are fast, fast. Um, and any Anytime Logan paddles, he's fast, but with Clay... Um, Clay's been training a lot and so he's in really good shape and those guys have spent so much time together over the past since I've known them that they're they're just they're really good in a boat together and for Kyle and Kyle to pull off the win that that also impressed me a lot so good on them I think they separated at the log jam that's what it sounded like a little bit different lines yeah yeah that's what it sounded like, but but still, it's just open water below there, and uh, and there's still a lot of race past that log jam. You know, another another hour and a half. So, well, yeah. and the log jam's part of it, right? So <laughs> it's 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 part of the race. So yeah, I would say that those two teams, um, I was impressed with them. One one thing I love about looking at these results, and it, it, this is just the stack guy in me talking, but the, the river flow data right on the results sheet. Oh man, I love it. Isn't that good? <laughs> <laughs> it it really makes a huge difference down here. Um, our rivers are are really the amount of rainfall affects the river from day to day. You know they they change a lot. If it doesn't rain for a couple months, there's barely any water in the river. It's a trickle. Um, you know, it, like I said, it rained just a couple days before the night race, and I think the river rose five feet. Yeah. 
and then drop back down again before the race to where it was only maybe a foot or a foot and a half up from normal. That's a whole lot of rain. Yeah, and it wasn't even that much rain. It just, we finally have the ground saturated down here. And so when it does rain, it's making its way to the river. And uh, the rivers are mostly like rock bottom. And so it doesn't, it doesn't soak into the ground that much. So it really funnels it. And our rivers can rise 40 feet overnight with, with rain in the right spot. Like four zero forty. Four zero. Holy yeah. crap. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In, in tight spots, right. Where the river narrows or goes through kind of a short bend, it'll go up that much. So sometimes you'll be paddling down the river and you'll see like a tube or, or even like a log, you know, a pretty decent size 10 inch in diameter log is 35 foot up in a tree wedged into a, a crevice, you know, and you kind of see that. And it's an eye opener to think that the water can go up that high. Pretty it's almost, neat. It's almost hard to fathom. You know, the first time I paddled on the Osable, I was with Clay White. It was 2016. And, you know, we paddled from town to Burton's, I think. And there was a dock river left that had like a clay flower pot on it that was broken and crumbled and like the dirt had come out and the flowers were still growing but it looked like the pot had been there for 50 years you know (laughs) i looked at clay and said how is it possible that that's still there and he just said this river doesn't rise ever you know and this dock was only two and a half foot above the water and that was baffling to me Yeah, that, that upper Asabo, it, it doesn't uh, get a whole lot. I mean, it fluctuates with two, three feet, I think, I've most At I've most, seen. Yeah, it's not much. You know, on, on the the lower end, uh, where I, you know, I live in Oscoda, the river here can come up about 10, 13 feet, but that's usually just in spring runoff. And even that's not, I mean, 40 feet, so it's... That's pretty incredible. Zav, your rivers can get pretty wild, right? Yeah, they could. Uh, they could rise, um, you know, like over the bank, and you know, you could. I remember one year training, like up in Portlandville. Um, you know, you could basically paddle anywhere you want. <laughs> you know, you could go <laughs> like across the, you know, the field and cut over, you know, to this section and. <laughs> You know, so sometimes, yeah, it gets pretty wild with the, you know, when it rises, it could, uh, you know, it could get up there pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. You know a little bit about what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> the south branch fluctuates more than the main branch, I would say, in the Asable. Like, it seems like we've raced that pretty low, and then other times it's kind of over the banks when, when you guys agree. For sure. And rain in a couple of days will won't it won't drive it like it'll drive in Texas, but I think it's more clay. Just definitely rises quicker. Is that what the clay stops it from soaking into the ground? Yeah. From soaking in, yeah. Okay. We spent the summer in Grayling last year at the house right there at the starting line, and there was a couple times it rained a lot, 
and I'd sit on the back porch and kind of watch the river, you know, and every time I look at it and man, it would go up two or three inches. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of looks the same. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look much different, you know. It'll get higher as you get lower down, but I think the problem is we've got so much gradient from town to I'm about eight miles out on my, at my place, and the most we ever see fluctuate is, like I think Rebecca said, maybe two or three feet, but we've got so much gradient. It's all going down and away from us super quick, and then as you get closer to McMaster's and the flats area, you're going to see it. it it starts to really affect it. Like McMaster's area to Parmalee, man, the water can get screaming in there. I don't know how much it rises. I just don't paddle that enough, but it's a lot more than it does here at my place or at yours, Chris. Yeah. Like the, uh, the marathon a couple of years ago, it, it rained all day. You guys remember that? And yeah, you know, the river looked the same, but then, you know, when we finished in Oscoda, you could, you couldn't even see like the beach part, you know, where you finished. Yeah. Yep. So, like it was high yeah. there. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's put in you you're walking over water to get in yeah yeah it seemed like it was the most noticeable to me like down around 4001 like mckinley to 4001 it was just screaming through there yeah and there's just so much current through there too that when it picks up it really starts kicking the boat around that's we race uh myo to mckinley in august and it's always to me feels like wildly different than it does in the marathon because even like a july low isn't an august low oh yeah (laughs) you're definitely running some different lines (laughs) well and then compare that to like the we don't get a huge spring runoff and we didn't have a ton of snow this year but but even the myona mckinley stretch this april like two weeks ago three weeks ago the water was just screaming down there and you're never going to see that in the marathon. You're never going to see that in the the mile race in August. I mean, sometimes I guess we got lucky enough to see it in the marathon, but it's about one year out of every 25. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, I mean, the the highest waters water levels for the marathon have been 1975 to 1994 and 2021. Exactly. Yeah. Need to make sure we're still racing in 15 years. <laughs> yeah for the, for the next flush yeah for the next flush take no, another you, shot at that record <laughs> you, you were saying it would rain at your place and you'd see it come up one or two inches it's amazing how many people say that one or two inches changes the whole dynamic of that early stretch though oh yeah it definitely felt different to me um just not there's not as much glide you know you're just having to force the boat constantly and you can also get away with more. I mean, you know, knowing knowing all the specific corners have a little bit more sand, you can get away with cutting a little bit more that you can't if it's that two inches lower. I, I would say it makes a big difference. There's also, um, I, I kind of look at it as like an, an Asable River like technique to running the corners. And it's a lot of reverse steering, which doesn't work. Um, as well, like when you get further down, like the Myota McKinley stretch, for example. But when you're in that upper part, if you've really got a feel for how to reverse steer so you're not oversteering all the time, it makes it a lot easier in the higher water. Um, but that's something that you can tell when people are out of town. It, even though there's more you can ground out on, more sand that you can hit, there's it's actually harder running the line when the water's high 
so you can really tell like Colin is probably one of the best I've ever paddled around on the upper parts of the ensemble for just really not oversteering and, and taking the good line. Um, it's been very frustrating <laughs> but in a good way i like it <laughs> I, I can't tell you how happy that makes me so, makes me <laughs> so as a reminder for the listeners what what do you mean exactly when you say reverse steering so reverse steering is uh so traditional steering i guess i'll start with that would be if you're making a left turn the bow would be paddling on the left and the stern paddler would be paddling on the right so when you're reverse steering, you have the bow push the boat around. So the bow paddles on the right, and the stern would either same side or true reverse steering would be paddling on the left. Um, the way you run it on, say, the upper ensemble is you put you you line up your corner. So you're putting the bow guy into the back eddy to kind of pivot the stern around the bow um, as you're cornering. And the stern guy will be on the inside of the corner to kind of catch the stern to set you up for the next corner so you don't keep turning. Um, you know, you kind of shoot out the eddy on the other side. Um, does that make sense? That makes perfect sense to me. So you're on the inside prying off the stern. Pu- yep. You're, you're pushing the stern around the corner with the current and the bow so, guy keeping it, keeping it rolling around the seam. So, yeah, the, the bow guy is... He's pushing you kind of around the corner, um, but if I put him in the back eddy enough, he can basically just paddle straight, hopefully. That's the goal. And then if I'm in the back, I'm also trying to paddle straight because I know that it, the current's going to keep pushing me into the corner, and I want to keep the boat kind of heading out for the next one. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, there's there's definitely a feel for it and the guys that practice it a lot are really good at it and the rest of us just kind of hey we do all right but we it takes a lot more effort because it's kind of backwards of your normal thinking i guess um it it all it it isn't really but it feels like it at the time (laughs) so it's it's definitely uh, different i think you hit it on the head rebecca is that it's when the asabo's low you don't have to you don't have to do that and you don't necessarily want to but when it gets higher especially in the upper stretch you can really benefit from it and there's not a lot of rivers that i feel like they're always like that no it's it's tight enough and technical enough that that's kind of the way the way you're going to go um to be the most efficient Uh, Pete Mead, when I raced with him in 2019, that's how he steered the corners, and he had to teach me how to do that. And uh, kind of the way I explained it was that we would drift around the corners, you know, like Tokyo drift around the corners, and he would keep the center. <laughs> he would keep the center of the boat over the line, yeah, kind of over over yeah. the current line, and that was it was consistent. I could always count on the center of the boat being on that line. And then the boat just kind of pivoted from the center versus from the stern or the bow. That's, That's a good way to explain it. You obviously picked it up. Third place that year, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to get in a boat with him this year. He's no Shannon Isendorf, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have one, another one of your epic second halves. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I'm pretty old now. 
I don't know. You're still <laughs> you're you're one of the only paddlers who uh, has the what I call a Vernon Kruger effect. You actually get faster as the race goes. I yeah, I know you told me that last year, but I think it's just other people are slowing down. Oh, <laughs> whatever it is, it's impressive. <laughs> Do any of you guys have any final comments before we wrap this up? You guys have all been awesome guests. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. Ryan? Yeah, we we always appreciate being able to talk about canoeing. As everybody knows, it's in the sport. You can sit around and talk about paddling all day. So to be able to do it on this podcast is awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah, and we've got an action-packed season coming up. Um, here in Michigan, we've got... Uh, the Bel Air race coming up in next, it'll be next week. It'll probably be happening by the time this is out. And then we've got the Canton Canoe Weekend and the Prelim coming up. Those are going to be some big ones and kind of rolling into the 70. We're not too far out now. So I can't wait to talk more and hopefully you guys will come back and <laughs> we can do this again. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling. Keep paddling.